Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society Field Medical Focus Area Working Group's podcast series entitled Field Medical Stakeholders, Partnering for Today and Tomorrow. In this 15th podcast, we will be discussing health economics and outcomes. I'm Catherine Gann. I'm a member of the Field Medical Focus Area Working Group, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. Currently, I'm an independent consultant in medical affairs, having spent my 30-year career as an MSL, an MSL manager, and an MSL trainer. Our legal disclaimer is as follows. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversations about partnering with field medical stakeholders with other MAPS members via the community portal on the MAPS website. Simply log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and click on the discussion tab. Then scroll down to field medical to post a question or review previous postings. The objectives for this series of podcasts are that at the end of this series, the participant will be able to, one, discuss the functions and activities of key internal stakeholders, and two, identify potential areas for compliant collaboration by MSLs with key internal stakeholders. I'd like to thank today's panelists for sharing their subject matter expertise with the MAPS membership. Speaking today are Kyle Kennedy, Vice President, Customer Strategy at the Medical Affairs Company, and Kyle's going to be our interviewer. And Shelley Ikeme, Global Head of Health Economics and Market Access, which you'll probably hear uh, called HEMA, for Johnson & Johnson. And Shelley is our interviewee. Kyle, as I turn this over to you, could you please, please briefly provide us a little bit of information about yourself and your background and your current position? Well, thank you, Kathy. I'm currently Vice President of Customer Strategy for the Medical Affairs Company, also known as TMAC. TMAC operates as an independent business unit of Parexcel. I started in the pharmaceutical industry in 1988, and I've been in field medical arena for approximately 27 years. I've been both an MSL and an MSL field director, and I currently manage 10 field directors, both in the U.S. as well as globally. I'm happy today to speak with Dr. Shelley Akemi. Shelley, how about sharing a little background of your experience in our industry? Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you to the MAPS organization for inviting me to participate in the podcast today. As it was mentioned earlier, I am currently the Global Head of Health Economics and Market Access. I'm going to be calling it HEMA, H-E-M-A. So I am the global head of HEMA for three Johnson & Johnson operating companies. Those are Acclarant, Mentor, and Serenovus. I've been in the medical device sector part of the industry for six years now. Prior to that, I spent 10 years in pharma, serving in several roles, spanning safety to medical affairs, and that's including in-house and field, and now to HEMA, where I first uh, served in a field role before moving fully back in-house now. I am a pharmacist by academic background, went to Temple University, go Owls, but I've evolved out of the traditional pharmacy role to um, in the industry now to take on other cross-functional roles in health economics and market access after advancing my academic pursuit in public health and MPH 
and a PhD in applied health economics uh, from Thomas Jefferson. And that'll be it. Well, Shelley, thank you. What an impressive academic background. Can you explain to us what your job is as global head of health economics and market access for the Johnson & Johnson companies? Sure. So as the head of Global HEMA, my primary role is setting the market access strategy for the three operating companies that I support with the sole purpose of expanding patient access. I personally don't think that it stops at expanding patient access. So for me, getting the right treatment or procedure to the right patient is my northern star. Now, in executing market access strategy, we engage in multiple tactics, which differs from company to company, region to region, and based most especially on the local market access needs. So on the global level, my role typically ensures the development and shaping of sufficient evidence to meet positive appraisal requirements set by HTAs, which is health technology assessment bodies. In the UK, it's called NICE. In France, uh, it's called HAS. On the regional level, for example, in the United States, my primary focus is making sure that all the three reimbursement levers are adequate, and that's including coding, coverage, and payment. Downstream, we deploy pull-through market access strategies such as shaping and validating the value proposition with evidence, actually generating that evidence, as well as developing the value tools that go with it. And those value tools go anywhere from your typical burden of disease to budget impact models to cost calculators to decision-making dashboards and so on. Thank you very much, Shelley. Let's focus on the health economics portion of your position. With whom do you typically interact in your role, both internally and externally? So, good question. So, internally, we engage multiple cross-functional colleagues from pipeline, and within that pipeline space, you have your R&D folks, your clinical folks, epidemiology and safety. We go all the way from pipeline to launch. Within the launch space, we interact with our friends in commercial, and that's including marketing, sales, finance, professional education, and so on. Externally, we typically directly engage with HTA bodies, so the health technology assessment bodies, mostly outside US. In the US, we engage with payers directly, we engage with advocacy stakeholders, societies, and key opinion leaders. We've also engaged in some very innovative indirect engagement strategies with payers via payer grassroots advocacy schemes here in the US. And this typically involves societies, advomed, and key opinion leaders. Great, thank you for that. Another question. What are some of the tools you've developed within your department for those internal and external interactions? Gosh, uh, where do I start? Uh, we've done it all. Um, it, it's really depending on where that device is in the, in the life cycle. So typically during pipeline phase, we've focused on developing tools to inform us on the population we're actually targeting, the economics of that population, the burden of disease in that population, and that's including clinical and economic burden of disease. We wanna know uh, what are the treatment patterns, what is the treatment journey, we do analysis around that, we do pricing models, pricing analysis, value of information analysis, and et cetera. Now, once we get to lunch or during life cycle, 
we typically focus on different kinds of tools, right? We focus on tools for communicating the clinical and the economic value proposition to both internal and external stakeholders, including the HTAs, the payers, the hospital decision makers, all the way to purchasing decision makers, as well as materials management in the hospital. I see. That makes sense. Shelley, what's your understanding of the role MSLs play within health economics at your organization? Great. I mean, this this is a great question, uh, a million-dollar question, Kyle, and this will be my personal professional opinion around that. So honestly, I've seen the role of the MSLs evolve in the past 15 years. I used to be an MSL myself, and at the time, uh, early to mid-2000s, I did see the primary role um, of the MSL as just purely engaging in peer-to-peer -peer dissemination of the science, you know, product clinical data dissemination to KOLs and payers. And over time, I saw that role constrict a little bit, slowly splitting the medical liaison from the payer liaison. I'm guessing the reason why that happened was that there was an understanding that the traditional MSL was not so optimized to have that strategic engagement with C-suite payers. Shortly after, it also seems that the role went through another evolution again, and this time around, it saw more of an expansion of the scope of the MSL into medical strategy and really having a seat for the MSL on the, on the table from pipeline to launch. So however, regardless of all of these evolution, if you really look at the crux and the center of who the MSL is or what their role is, it still maintains to be the liaison and the conduit between the company and external thought leader community, facilitating information and value transfer. So on that point, when it comes to working with uh, folks in HEMA, it's, it's, I, I really see that role in shaping the value proposition, shaping the evidence, shaping the value tools development. So the value of the MSL is really indispensable, Cal, uh, as they have their ears closest to the ground with the most important customers. So the expectation for me is that the voice of the MSL is truly the voice of the customer. And to think that companies today have alarming budgets earmarked for voice of customer activities instead of really optimizing the MSLs to serve in that role in some kind of capacity is really a lost opportunity. Shelly, that's very insightful. The evolution um, is really well put by you. Do you have any best practices to share with our MAPS audience on how MSLs can partner with their health economics colleagues? Great, awesome question. So I see a great opportunity for MSLs to really take on that mantle of organic medical and business intelligence role in the companies that they serve. So I say that because MSLs sit at the nexus of the transfer of the freshest and the newest ideas in, this, in the therapeutic spaces that they serve. They sort of play a role in that whole ideation incubation camp, very elite incubation of high level uh, interactions with KOLs. So being able to soak all of that valuable information, distill and transfer that knowledge to the companies to help shape market growth and development strategies is really invaluable. However, I have to, be, I have to say this, the challenge I see today for MSLs 
in being very efficient in this capacity is oftentimes they're removed from headquarter activities. They're removed from the understanding of the priorities and the challenges of the business. So it's, it really does hamper their ability to know what exactly is business intelligence. What is meaningful to my company? What is the so what? Yeah, I agree. Shelly, one last question. Can you tell us how your career path led you to your current position as Global Head of Health Economics and Market Access for Johnson & Johnson? So this is a question that I've mastered answering because I get it all the time, Kyle. So most people I know today who sit in HEMA, they typically come from other departments, mainly medical affairs and sometimes commercial and a lot of times uh, they secure that opportunity via on-the-job experience. So they go sort of this insider route. For me, even though I was already an insider, I actually stepped out and told uh, the path of academic advancement in public health um, through an MPH program and applied health economics through a PhD program. And that's how I got here. But um, honestly, when I look back today, I don't... I can't really say that I needed all of that detour, but for me, it was personal and I needed, I wanted the personal confidence in the technical capabilities of the job. I wanted to be able to actually get my hands deep in generating data. I wanted to build economic models. I wanted to understand all the different regional health technology assessment bodies, policy shaping, global and U.S. reimbursement nuances, right? So there was really some dash of humility humility in my knowing or feeling that my traditional pharmacy background wouldn't really cut it for the dose of confidence that I needed to really embolden me to make the leap. So at the time, to be fair, I also had the support of my bosses. I communicated very clearly what my aspirational goals were. They understood that. They bought into it. So as soon as I finished my um, my programs, my MPH specifically, I made a very swift transition uh, to field HEMA. Then from field HEMA, I came back to in-house and continued to uh, progress uh, in that space. And here I am today. Uh, I would consider myself a market assets uh, subject matter expertise. Wow, what an impressive career. Shelly, thanks for sharing your background and role with us today. I think the MAPS audience are going to enjoy hearing all about your organization and how you've gotten to where you are today. With that, I'm going to turn it back over to our moderator, Kathy, who's going to wrap it up. Thank you, Kyle, and thank you, Shelley. Um, that was really very interesting, Shelley, and I'm right there with Kyle thinking that our audience is going to be very impressed with how you have shaped your career, considering that you have been an MSL and where you are now and what you've done to gain the skills and the understanding to help you grow now into the market access uh, subject matter expert. So in line with our learning objectives, Participants should now have a better understanding of the role and function of health economics and outcomes, and also how MSLs may compliantly interact with that team. To quote Shelley, the voice of the MSL is the voice of the customer, and this is very important in health economics and outcomes. So this has been the 15th podcast in a series on the topic of field medical stakeholders partnering for today and tomorrow. If you're a MAPS member, thank you for your support of MAPS. 
If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like access to additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining. That website is medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes the podcast.